Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. To start this morning, I want you to join me in a short thought experiment. A thought experiment is a what-might-happen scenario that sparks our thinking when we consider our responses to complicated situations. In philosophers' circle, this one is known as trolleyology. Picture this. You are at the controls of a trolley switch. You look up and see an out-of-control trolley barreling down the tracks. Just ahead, the track branches into two. To your left, you see five people standing on the track. And on the other track, you notice a lone figure. If you do nothing, the trolley crashes into the five people. But if you flip the switch, the train strikes just one. You have a split second to decide. What do you do? Don't worry. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Hopefully, none of us will find ourselves in facing this kind of moral mind twister. But in reality, we are always at the switch, trying out trying our best to do the right thing, to make the best possible judgments. Our personal judgments, good, bad, tempered, snapped, wise and unwise, matter. How we judge and how we act on those judgments are life-changing. We don't need to look far to see how our judgments can have deep and lasting effects on our lives. Right now, in the Senate chambers, we watch and listen as our elected officials debate the question of presidential power abuse. The final judgment, regardless of which way the vote goes, will have lasting impact that will be judged by the generations to come. But this morning, let's leave the politicking outside and turn the lens inward inward, and ask ourselves, what shapes our judgments and how do those judgments shape our lives? In this often bifurcated, split-screen, blue-red world we find ourselves in, do our judgments bring us closer, closer together, or do they push us further apart? So first, let's ask, where does judgment come from? Some believe it resides out of us and beyond us. Like the song said, It's in the good Lord's hands. Others understand judgment as instinctual, rooted in our primal responses 
Do our impulses tell us to fight or flee? For better or worse, we go with our gut. Now, my tendencies tip more transcendental, meaning that my judgments emerge out of my lived experience, my emotional responses, and are shaped by the relationships with those around me. So let me illustrate with a story that I find actually quite transcendent. It happens to belong to a Unitarian Universalist minister. She writes, my husband and I and our two children were taking a long trip, traveling the so southern coast of California. We stopped at a restaurant that was nearly empty. My son, Eric, a one-year-old, sits in a high chair, squealing with glee. Hi there, hi there, he calls. Two words he thought were one. I look at what the source of his merriment might be, but I can't take it in. A man, dressed in tattered rags, a coat, baggy pants, a zipper at half-mast over his spindly body, gums as bare as Eric's, and his hands flapping in the air, he calls out, Hi there, baby! Hi there, big boy! I see you, buster! Dennis and I exchanged a look that was a cross between what do we do and Poor devil. Eric continues to laugh. Hi there. Every call was echoed. The old geezer was creating a nuisance with my baby. I shoved a cracker at Eric and he pulverized it on the tray. I whispered, why me, under my breath. Our meal came and nuisances continue. Now the old man is shouting across the room. Do you want to play patty cake? Do you know how to play peekaboo? Hey, look, he knows peekaboo. We eat in silence, and Eric, who's running through his repertoire for the admiring applause of a guy from Skid Row. Finally, we had enough, and Dennis went to pay the check, imploring me to get Eric and meet him in the parking lot. I trundle Eric out of the high chair, and I look toward the exit. The old man sat waiting, his chair directly between me and the door. Lord, just let me out of here before he speaks to Eric. It soon, become, it soon becomes apparent that both the Lord and Eric have other plans. As I draw closer to the man, I turn my back, walking to sidestep him and any air he might be breathing. And as I did so, Eric leaned over and launches for him, arms wide spread. The guy's eyes asked and implored, would you let me hold your baby? There's no need to answer. Eric has propelled himself into the man's arms, and suddenly a very old man and a very young baby were involved in a love relationship. Eric laid his tiny head over the man's ragged shoulder, and the man's eyes closed, and I saw a tear hover beneath his lashes. His aged hands full of grime, he stroked the baby, and I stood awestruck. He said to me, you 
take care of your baby. And somehow I managed, I will, from a throat that contained a stone. He pried Eric from his chest unwillingly, longingly, as though he was in pain. I held my arms open to receive my baby, and again the gentleman addressed me. God bless you, ma'am. Have a Merry Christmas. I said nothing more than I muttered thanks, and Eric ran into my arms. I ran for the car, and Dennis wondered why I was crying and holding Eric so tightly, and I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. My guess is we've all been to that restaurant at some point in our lives. Our instincts run deep. Separation, we believe, is what keeps us safe. But then these moments arise and something breaks through. We pause, we catch our breath, we get our bearings in a dingy restaurant, a downtown donut shop, or a darkened subway platform and set a new course. In those unexpected moments, something shifts. Walls tumble down. No longer separate, we become seekers, searching to know more. We take off our blinders, and we play some peekaboo, happy to see you. And with each turn, we go deeper softening the hard wires that keep us apart. When we go about our days with our eyes closed, we short-circuit the connections. We other and blame. We give a wag of the finger and wonder, what's wrong with you? When we feel shut out, one impulse is to grab the donuts and hide. And the worst of it comes when blamers turn those hiders to haters, severing the networks that hold us together. If what we believe is that we are better together, then we need tools to help us repair those connections. One tool I carry close by goes by the name of RAIN. RAIN stands for recognize allow, investigate, nurture. It came my way through the help of a meditation teacher, Tara Brock. We pull out rain when we find ourselves stuck in those heightened states of judgment. The first step, hit pause, hit the pause button, which, let's face it, can be hard when moving at the speed of 5G. But pause is a critical first step. And should you choose to try it, I suggest that you shut down your device before inviting rain in. When intrusive judgments arise, those what's wrong with you moments, whether directed inward or outward, can create a deep sense of overwhelm. 
So take a breath. Take two. Center yourself. Begin with recognition. Ask yourself, what happened? Try not to judge and draw conclusions. Just notice. And then return to the breath. And with time, your body's natural defenses relax, and they take a back seat. Next comes allow. With recognition, things feel roomier. Now you have space. Invite the experience in. Show it the chair. Serve it some tea. Try not to push it out the back door. Just let it be and breathe. But now it's time to investigate, or maybe the better word here is inquire. With interest and care, ask yourself, how do I feel? Name names. I feel angry, sad, hurt, alone. Where do I feel it? Is it in my heart, my lungs, my belly? Is that feeling familiar, new, unexpected? This can be hard, so try your best just to stay present. And finally, we arrive at nurturance, engaging strong emotions without judgment or blame takes effort. So be gentle with yourselves. Taking time to recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture helps us build compassion for ourselves and for others. With practice, we can learn to stop the othering that keeps us separate, and slowly we can begin to mend the connections that help make us whole. I'm reminded of a time back in my 20s when I thought to become a parole officer. I told my dad, thinking he would be happy that I'd finally found my life's direction. Instead, my dad, the always consummate college professor, told me to take a writing class. How, he asked, do you go to college and not know how to write a good declarative sentence? To tell you the truth, I'm still working on that one. I put aside my aspirations and bent to his judgment thinking, Father knows best. About three weeks into the class, the professor asked to speak with me in private. He handed back my paper and said, I hope you don't talk like you write. How would anyone ever understand you? If I had known rain then, I might have had a chance. Instead, I dropped the class. I dropped my plans and spent the next few years lost in the wilderness. While I valued my father's judgment, this experience left me unsafe and uncertain. While I know his intention was not to shame me or make me feel stupid, his judgment had a lasting effect. For years, when it came to his counsel, I hid. 
What I learned later in life after much counseling was that my father was stuck in familiar old patterns of blame and shame from which he struggled to get out. Turns out he'd learned to hide too. When I finally shared my story, he responded with empathy and understanding. In turn, he shared some of his struggles, which only helped to heal mine. When blame gave way to forgiveness, the mending began. What I saw was a man of great depth and caring, who, like me, questioned himself and wondered how he measured up. For too long, I had judged my father and turned him away. It wasn't that he didn't know better. He just didn't know how. These days, when I practice rain, I think of my father and imagine us sitting together, quietly, silently, widening the circles of our shared compassion. A wise man once said, a heart is not to be judged by how much you love, but by how much you are loved by others. Dear friends, let us not be estranged. Let us feel ourselves part of that cosmic web of connection. It's time now, so let's get on board. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org 